You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompanum. So in Luke 10, this is verse 25. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. It's talking about Jesus. To put Jesus to the test. Saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you'll live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, give, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, Father, this... uh, This account is challenging and full of life for us. I pray you would help us, God, to remove the distractions that are tugging at us, to remove the things that are going to block us, the hindrances, the barriers to living a life that is full and honoring to you. And I pray now you would help us, God, be changed by your word. We love you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, if we're gonna if we're gonna really be serious about living a a connected life, a life together, we we have to push past some things. It's one thing to say that relationships are important. It's another thing to live that out, right? I mean, we could say anything. One one of my favorite scenes, uh, one of my favorite shows on TV was. It's an older show now. It was The Office. Get my Office fans. Okay, so The Office was a great show. It was really funny. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when Michael, who's you know main character, he's having financial trouble. He's he's spending himself all over the place, and his accountant friend who works for him, he says, "Listen, I think you're you're just going to have to de- declare bankruptcy." And he says, "All right." And so he walks out into the common area, and he just stands up and he says, "I declare." bankruptcy. And he he realizes you can't just declare it. You can't just say it. We can't just say relationships are important. We don't just want to say it. We want to live it. We want to really see what that looks like. And so this story helps us. 
It helps us to, to get a bigger picture of what we're talking about when we start thinking about living life together and a connected life that God wants for us. This story helps. It's not the only story, but there, the, the Bible is full of accounts of how we can live the fullest life possible through relationships. And I know it's hard. See, this lawyer stands up and wants to put Jesus to the test. And a lawyer that they're talking about is someone who was skilled in religious law, okay? Not just an attorney. This is someone who knew the law of God. This would be a religious person. So he stands up. He wants to test Jesus. He wants to trap Jesus and make him look foolish. And so he says, well, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? The guy knew what he needed to do. He was smart. He knew the law. But he says to Jesus, tell me. You tell me. I want to hear what you have to say. Why is he asking him that? Because Jesus was hanging around with sinners all the time. Jesus was hanging around with people who were disobeying the law. According to how the Jewish law was formed, Jesus was hanging out. He's eating with tax collectors. He's eating with people who were shunned as far as the law goes. They were, they were put aside as lawbreakers. And so this lawyer says, I want you to tell me, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He thinks Jesus is going to say something like, well, it doesn't really matter how you live. He thinks Jesus is going to say the law doesn't matter because he's hanging out with lawbreakers. But Jesus turns it around as Jesus tended to do. He, he, he flips it upside down and he actually heads back towards the lawyer and, and exposes him. He says, okay, you're asking me, what, what, do I need, what do you need to do for eternal life? He says, well, you know what the law says. What is, how do you interpret it? How do you read it? And, and the lawyer rattles it off. He says, I need to love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. I need to love God with everything in me. And I need to love my neighbor as myself. And that, that whole sentence is huge, right? I mean, we, we could spend a long time talking about that. As much as I love myself, as much as I seek to preserve and protect and care for my own life, that's what God requires of me in my relationships with other people. So he gives the right answer. And Jesus says, yeah, man, you got it. That's right. Now go do it. Go do that and you'll live. And so this is the pivotal moment. See, this is the part where the story turns because that guy, the lawyer, should in that moment, like all of us do right now, when we hear that, okay, love God with everything, continuously, consistently, with everything inside of me, I need to love God like that. Okay, that's hard enough. And I now need to do that with everybody else, with my neighbor. The lawyer should have stood up and said, okay, I didn't think this through enough because this is too hard. Actually, this is impossible. And what he should have done is fallen down on his face before the Lord, realizing how impossible this command is, that he himself was a lawbreaker. He should have fallen down and said, I can't do this, help. But what happens? In good lawyer fashion, it says... Desiring to justify himself. See, instead of realizing his great need 
he relied so heavily on what he knew, who he was, what he had been taught, and he said, I know what to do to inherit eternal life. I've told you. Now let me tell you why I'm right. That's his, that's his effort to justify himself. He's saying, listen, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to ask you a question. Well, who's my neighbor? And there's the question. That's the pivotal moment for this, for this guy. And it's, you know, before we start throwing stones at him, I mean, this, this is us. Who is my neighbor? Who do I need to show love to? Who is the one that I So I, I want to justify myself. I want to make sure that I get it right, that I get my way to eternal life. And so here's what I'm going to do. You tell me who fits inside the box, who fits outside the box, and I will do it. Tell me the checklist. Tell me what I need to do, where I need to go, how I need to talk, what... Instead of recognizing his hopelessness, he wants to show that he's right and that he's actually done what is required. And so he says, who is my neighbor? Why would you ask that question? So sometimes I tell my, you know, we force our children to love each other. That's what we do as parents, right? <laughs> like, love your sister. And sometimes they ask questions. They don't say, well, who's my sister? They say, well, what if she says this? Do I still have to love her? What if she punches me real hard? Dad, okay, now let's say the scenario, let's say, you, you know, we're, we're playing a game and my brother just says this or hits this. Or the, the question is, at what point do I have permission to not love this person any longer? And we do the same thing. We're just more sophisticated in it. We want to find loopholes. We want to find the absolute minimum. And that's what this guy is doing. He wants to know the minimum. Jesus says, love God with everything. Love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. This is the, the tallest order known to man. And the guy says, okay, that is a big order. Who do I, who, who's in? <laughs> What's the least I have to do to engage in relationship with other people? And so what does Jesus do? He tells a story. <laughs> He's not going to give him a checklist. He's not going to give him the do's and the don'ts. He's going to tell a story, and he is going to tell a shocking story, a story that maybe loses some of its punch on us, but would have been absolutely mind-blowing to the people he was talking to. He's saying, you want to know what the minimum is to truly follow God. Here's what it is. It's about loving God so much that your love for others will be shocking. Shocking love for other people. Because that's what's happening in this story. See, most likely, so Jesus says this story. Most likely, this is a Jewish man walking down the road, right? He's walking down the street. He's going to wherever he needs to go, and he gets jumped. He gets beaten. He gets stripped of his clothes. He's lying on the ground, naked, bleeding, dying. Jewish man. And then he sets up the scenario. These people, a parade starts coming down the street. So he starts off first, says, a priest is coming by. Now this, a priest would have been the top of the religious food chain. This would have been the person who knew everything there was to know about God, should have loved God the most, should have obeyed the law like he just said, loving God with all mind, soul, strength, heart, and others as themselves. This would have been the person you go to to learn how to, to follow God. 
And he says, a priest starts walking down the street. And so the people who are listening would go, okay, yeah, of course, the priest is coming down. What do they think the priest is going to do? What he's supposed to do, go love his neighbor. What happens? He said the priest sees the man bleeding, dying, beaten. And what does it say? It says he he goes to the other side. He doesn't even turn around. He continues on his journey. He's not scared. He's not going, oh, man, I don't know if I should keep going down this road. No, he's like, ah. <laughs> goes to the other side of the road, keeps on. Then he says a Levite starts walking down the street. Now, a Levite would have been a little bit lower in the pecking order, a little bit lower in terms of the religious Hierarchy, but still someone who knew God's law, who should have loved God and loved others in a unique way, the way that they were supposed to do. And so, the, you know, the crowd probably is going, all right, surely the Levite's going to come help. Maybe the priest was too busy. The Levite's going to, he's, he's going to go take care of the guy. Nope. Levi sees the man. It says he sees him. He goes to the other side, walks away. Do you ever take out, <laughs> do you ever walk down the street and I know this might be a generational illustration, but you see someone ahead that you really don't want to talk to. <laughs> yeah, John's laughing. You got it. <laughs> and as soon as you see that person, the phone comes and you're just, you're in here. going, I don't know. I don't need you. I don't need anything. Or if you're dri- you drive up to the, the corner where the, the people who have the signs and they're, they're looking for help and immediately, you know, we're, we're, we're on the phone or we're looking other places. I mean, that, that's what this story is illustrating. Then a third guy comes on the street. And this is where everyone listening would have gasped. Jesus says, then a Samaritan is walking. And everybody would have gone, huh? what? See, we don't, we don't pick up the cultural significance here, but Samaritans were hated, hated by Jews. Jews and Samaritans were at complete odds. They were racially divided. See, Samaritans were considered half-breeds by the Jewish people. See, the Jewish people at one point were taken captive by their enemy, the Babylonians. And what happened was when the Babylonians took Israel out of the land, some people stayed put. Some people were allowed to stay in Israel. And then the Babylonians put their people into Israel. And so what would happen is the, 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 the Gentiles and the Jews were having babies. They were getting married because this was years and years. And they had these children and these children were Samaritans. They were not Jews. They were not Gentiles. They were this mix and the Jews hated them. This was not a good thing, not, a, not an appropriate way to view another people group, but that's, that was the situation. And they were constantly at war and at battle over the years. When a Jew would travel north and south, they would actually have to go through some Samaria, but they, they wouldn't. They would actually go around because they didn't want to step foot anywhere near that place, which I can't even 
fathom. I mean, in a car, I, I don't like to go out of my way. I want to take the most direct route. These guys would walk and on their donkeys and their horses, I mean, would absolutely take another route. That's how bad the relationship was between these two groups of people. So this is the, this is the illustration Jesus gives. He says, you want to know who your neighbor is? Let me tell you this story. The two guys that you think should know God's law, execute God's law, they walk on the other side. And this man, this Samaritan, becomes the knight in shining armor. He is the hero. He is the most hated man in Israel, and he saves the day. He tends to the dying man. He binds his wounds, gives him a drink, gives him shelter, saves his life. And so the question we have to ask is, well, what do we learn what is Jesus trying to teach that guy and what's he teaching us? Life together looks very differently than we expect. It looks so differently. We want to create our lives and our little circles and our, our, our nice fenced-in yards and our gated communities and, and our, our church that we, we just, we want to control who comes in and who comes out and God is giving us a framework of what it means to live together, of doing life together, and, and how we exist in relationships with other people. And the truest and most fulfilling expression of life is loving my neighbor and understanding that my neighbor is not just the people I, I like and always want to hang out with. And so this story is given to us, not as an exact manual on how, to, on how to love other people. Well, only if you see someone dying naked, bleeding in the road, then do you go help them. And, you know, that, that's too easy. He, Jesus is giving the most extreme example to show that we need to take this very seriously and we need to look deep inside of us to see how, where are the bad ways of thinking that we are stuck in. The story is given, us, given to us to, to blow up and expose stuff in our hearts that's ugly. See, this, the lawyer, he wanted everything from God, right? He says, I want, I want what God has to offer. The, and the biggest thing that God has to offer is eternal life. He says, how can I get eternal life? He wanted what God had. And intellectually, he, he understood what he needed to do. He's Bit it right out. You know, love God, love others. Love God, love others. He knew it. It was in him. Intellectually, he could say it, but it was not inside of his heart. Jesus says, he's telling this guy, you, I want to tell you what this really looks like. You think you have it all together. You think you've figured it out. But loving people is so much bigger and harder and more complex and more beautiful and more joyful, but also messy. You think you can just say love God and love people, but let me tell you what that's going to look like in your, in your everyday life. And he says, you go do the same, right? He said, who, who, who did the right thing in the story? The guy said, the one who showed him mercy, he says, now go. <laughs> now go and do it. So we should sit back, hear that, and go, I don't even know. What that means. How, how do I live this way? How can I hear this story and hear Jesus say, you go and do the same and actually go do it? 
There's two ways we can try to approach it, right? We can try to be, we can just take the, 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 the morality approach, right? And just say, well, it's the right thing to do. Uh, if, I, if I do this, live like this, vote like this, then, you know, I will be able to handle social justice in a proper way. I'll do my civic duty. Or maybe you're more of a religious moralist, right? Where it just says, well, the Bible says I need to do this. And so therefore I just go and do it. Neither give us life. They might get the job done, but it is going to bring guilt. It's going to be a prison for us. See, this is how the gospel fits in so nicely to what we're talking about here, right? We just spent weeks and weeks and weeks going through Galatians. Just last week, we had my friend Isaac here preaching, talking about how Jesus stoops down. The gospel comes in and shapes us and says, look, it's not about the rules. It's not about, well, Bible says I need to help dying men in the street. No, no, no. It's understanding who we are in the story. It's understanding what love is and what grace is. It comes from an understanding of how much we have been loved by a God. See, we ask the wrong questions. We want to be like the lawyer and say, well, okay, who's in, who's out, who's my neighbor, who's not my neighbor, how much is it going to cost? Only if I can do it between the hours of one and three on Saturdays, every other Saturday, because the other Saturdays I play golf and I can only fit my good deeds into this little box. But then when we do it, we check the box, we feel good. And Jesus is going, no, this is so much bigger, man. Like the, the love that we are to have for people is so much bigger. Because the question we should be asking is, what if I were in the ditch? What if I were the one in need? What if I were the one that was jumped and beaten and stabbed and, and, and left for dead, needing someone to show some mercy, some grace to me? Would that change the way I live? That's the questions that we should be asking. And so you're, you're ready for the answer to that. This is what Jesus is trying to get at. His point is we are the one in the ditch that we were the ones lost, hopeless, dead in our sins, dead apart from God's relationship with us. And Jesus comes to us and he, he, he carries us, he lifts us up, he raises us from the dead and he, he gives us his life, he gives us his love and he pours into us what we, he does for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We were hopeless and he comes and gives us everything and gives us life. And that, that fact changes how we live. It changes how we see the story. Because now it's not about, well, I need to do this. It's, oh man, what God has done for me. Now I get to go and do this for other people. And it may never look like someone just beaten in a ditch, drowning in the lake, like something so obvious. It might be something very different. And usually it's gonna be something more complex and complicated and God is calling us to, to love that person. And it's amazing that, that, that he is the Good Samaritan. Jesus is identifying himself with the Good Samaritan. The racially hated, the most racially hated person, man, woman, human being in Israel, Jesus says, he's your example. 
And he connects his life with the good Samaritan, with the Samaritan. And when we really understand our true condition, we will love. But we forget this all the time. We have trouble remembering. We have, we, you know, there's a, we, we have trouble just getting along if you went to two different schools, right? I mean, it was a big game yesterday. I know there's some hearts broken in here. There's some hearts that are rejoicing. University of Miami, Florida Gators, you know, clash of the Florida schools and University of Florida came on top. And so hard enough getting Gator fans and Hurricane fans to, to get along. We're talking about life in all its complexities and saying, God is saying, you need to love your neighbor. And we say, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, everybody. And then we're like, well, okay, great. What do I do now? So here are some things I want to help us with. Maybe some, some tools to think through as we seek to love our neighbor, to live life together. We're, we're telling you, like, we want you in small groups. And, man, if you're going to do that, some of these things are going to be needing to be put in place in your, in your heart and your life because it's not easy. The first thing is we need to keep our eyes open. We need to keep our eyes open. We need to see. See, what happens in verse 33? The Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he saw, he saw the need. That, that's huge. Now, you're like, well, that's an easy one to see. And I agree. That's why Jesus gives us that example. Because it's easy to see when someone is bleeding and, and, and dying in that manner. And so what's the application for us? We need to keep our eyes open. We need to see what's going on around us. We need to really see them. So many images come across our, our eyes every single day. It's, it's estimated somewhere between 4,000 and 10,000 advertisements we see on a daily basis. That's insane. That's just advertisements. Forget about all the other stuff that we see. This is what's coming. We're so distracted. We're so inundated with stuff, with images, and we're just so inundated with ourselves. And so we, we want to see what we want to see. And if I don't want to see that, that, that man holding up a sign on the street, then all I have to do is just avert my eyes and I can look at other things that I do want to see. And I can choose who, what comes up on my feed and who on Instagram and who on Facebook and who on Twitter and whatever news articles I want. I mean, I can control all of that. And God is saying, you need to, you need to put it down and you need to look. You need to look and, and see what's going on with the people around you. Because most likely they are not sitting there going like, oh, you know, blood coming out and, and, and emergency room type stuff. No, they're sitting there internally dying, hopeless, waiting for help, believing, like with nothing in sight and you have the opportunity to see what's going on. You're saying, well, Adam, how do I see if, if it's inside of them? Well, love your neighbor. Get involved in people's lives. Let people into your life. 
Let them see. Sometimes people get so bent out of shape, like, no one ever comes to see me. No one ever visits me. No one ever does it. No one ever does that. And the reality is, you're never around. No one ever sees you because you're just, you're, you're keeping to yourself. We have to allow ourselves to be seen as well as opening our eyes to see other people. We need to remove the distractions we need to see. We need to train our eyes to see through the mess and to focus on the needs of others. It can be done. It is not that difficult. And I promise if we put a little bit of effort into this because of what the gospel, how, how the gospel shapes us, we will see some amazing things happen in our lives. But it can't just stop there, right? The other guys saw. <laughs> the other guys saw the man dying. What did they do? They went, they went away. We need to have our hearts open. Eyes open, hearts open. Because what's the second part of that verse? As the Samaritan journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, what does it say? Say it with me. He had, let's say it again. He had compassion. compassion. Oh, man, we could spend a long time talking about compassion and what we need as it relates to compassion. That word, it, it, it means at your innermost being, at the depths of your, of your heart, of your soul, you feel something towards someone else. You feel their pain. You, you, you feel pity. You feel, that's a, I know that word has negative connotation, but that's what it is. It's you feel what they're going through. So he says he saw him. He sees this man, which you think would not, doesn't take much to see someone in that condition. He saw him and he said he had, he had compassion. His heart was moved. His heart was open. When we see the hurting, when we see injustice, when we see evil, our hearts need to be activated by what we see. It's not enough to just see. It's not enough to just see. We see things all the time. We're, we're inundated with news feeds and, and all the stuff that's going on around the world and in our backyard. And it's, it's heartbreaking. And we see it and we go, you know, oh, and then we, you know, we turn the channel. But what about the people? We're, we're trying to force you into a place where you cannot walk away. We want to put you in a living room together or in a coffee shop or in a, you know, in, in a classroom and say, okay, we want you to engage in life together. And it's going to take time and it's not always going to be exactly what you want to do, but it will bring the most life because you get to participate in something bigger than yourself. We should be led to act when we see Injustice when we see those being who are in need and who are hurting. We put ourselves in someone else's position, in their shoes. We, we, we need empathy. We need compassion. And again, we can grow in it. And you're like, ah, oh, I just don't I, don't, I don't feel things the same way other people do. It's because you're not trying. We can develop. How do we develop our empathy? How do we develop compassion? I'll give you something extremely simple. Listen. 
Ask questions and listen. Don't just wait to talk. Don't just step right in and, and wait for your turn so that you can let everybody know how much you know. No, just ask a question. How are you doing? And then just let them answer. And if they say fine, say, okay, how are your kids? How are you feeling about this situation? What has happened? And you just, but like genuinely care and then just listen. And I promise you, the more you listen, you will you will gain information about other people where you can start to learn how I can love this neighbor. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up. Don't just settle and say, ah, it's just how I am. Look, th this guy's compassion led him to act, to go to the man for help. And it, it, he, he did so much more than just the minimum. He went and he, he, he pours oil and wine on him. He, he gets him on his on his donkey, he takes him to an inn, he gives money, he says, whatever else you need. I mean, he just goes the extra mile. Don't just be content with throwing change out the window at the guy who needs some, some help. Think about how can we enter into life with other people? This is what God wants from us. This is how we can serve him and how we can love him in, with all our mind, soul, strength, heart. Don't ask the question, who's in, who's out? Keep your eyes open, let your hearts be open, and also let your minds be open. This is one of the hardest ones. Because we want to love the people we most identify with or that we want around us or that are just like us. And if you have a differing view, if you are a part of the other political party, or if you, are, you believe in... in then we just start to push everybody away. We need to keep our minds open. We need to allow God to expand the, the people that we engage with. Let me tell you, there are going to be people that are going to come into your life. Hopefully, they're going to come into your life and they're going to look different. They're going to smell different. They're going to think different. They're going to act different. Don't push people away because they're different. God engaged with you, loved you, pursued you, ran after you when you were stinky, smelly, hated him, nothing good in you, and God just pursued you and loved you, and this is what we're called to do with others. Tim Keller has this, has this great quote. He said, we instinctively tend to limit for whom we exert ourselves. We do it for people like us, and for people whom we like. Jesus will have none of that. By depicting a Samaritan helping a Jew, Jesus could not have found a more forceful way to say that anyone at all in need, regardless of race, politics, class, and religion, is your neighbor. Not everyone is your brother or sister in faith, but everyone is your neighbor, and you must love your neighbor. See, hopefully you're feeling the weight of it all and, and what the lawyer should have done when, God, when Jesus said to him, love God and others with everything. I know when I'm studying this passage, I just go, oh, I'm, I'm so bad at this. I am so unequipped, unable And this is the beauty of the gospel. We stand with hands open. 
eyes, hearts, minds, and hands in, a, in an attitude of surrender and just say, God, I, I can't do this. You guys can stand up. We stand with hands open and we say, God, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it in and of myself. I have no ability to love like this man in the story did, but I trust that you are able to do it and I trust that you are able to put me on the steps, the right path to get, to live this out in a way that would honor you. And it is it is hard. It is actually impossible. We need Christ to get to, to, to lead us in this. And let me tell you what, it's risky. When we stand with hands open, that means we're surrendering. And that means it's dangerous. We're not ready, fists up, where hands are open, and we're saying, God, I, I, I'm putting everything out there. I'm, I'm allowing myself to be at risk. I'm going to allow myself to be vulnerable because that's the way you call me to live. The Samaritan man could have gone to the other side of the road. He, intellectually, he could have said, man, this guy is pretty fresh. The robbers are still close by. If I go over to him, maybe I'm gonna get jumped. Maybe I'm gonna get beaten. He didn't care, man, he went. Giving yourself to this, to this life will involve risk. And I know it will be uncomfortable, but God is worth it. He is worth it. So we stand with eyes open, hearts open, minds open, hands open, and we say, God, would you help us? Lord, I ask, would you help us to live this out? I know in our everyday life, this is much more complex. It's difficult. We don't always understand. Help us to see the person right in front of us as in need and help us to see how we can love that person. We're gonna try to do it in small group life, but we know it's more than that. It is at, at the office tomorrow. It's at work. It's, it's at home. It's on the field. It's at the store. It's when I'm pumping gas. People are constantly around us in need of help. Would you help us learn how we might love better and that this story would be a, a pathway. And God, if there is anyone in here who, who has not received you, has not put their faith in you, they're seeing God. I pray they would see their condition in the ditch, their condition alone, hopeless, beaten, dying, and that apart from an act of free grace, there is no hope. And so God, would you move on their lives right now? Would you, would you put that invitation out there for them so that they might see their need for a savior and run to you, God. Would you save those who don't know you? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.